This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zoo Pans Markets. Court, I'm looking at tomahawk steaks right now. Have you ever had? I've seen had them. them. They, I've had them. I've seen them, and these things are awesome. They're great. We've I've had them periodically. They're a treat. You don't just I don't necessarily go in and buy them just to cook for myself. Right. But we had a, a Portland Food Adventures event with John Gorham up at Longolo Estates last year, and John, I think we had 50 people, and he must have made. Ten of these babies, these tomahawks. Yeah, they're awesome. Mm-hmm. I should, I should use it as a, we should put put it somewhere on the website because they're really cool. They're yeah. beautiful. But the picture I'm looking at right now with Zupans, same thing. Tomahawk steak with the big bone in it. They're well marbled. They're delicious. The meat on the bone is fantastic. It, it looks exactly like what you would think a tomahawk, you know, uh, axe would look like. Right. You don't want to hurt anybody with no. it. Though. No, I don't. I don't even know if you can. No. While you're at Zupans.com looking at that uh, beautiful piece of meat, you should also. Res- Reserve your Thanksgiving feast. You can right now head on over to zoopants.com and sign up for, I don't know, a full, they, they will do a complete dinner for eight to 10 people. You order bits and pieces right. though. There's some, there's a side dish that I've you I've been like. doing this for two years now and it's been the best thing we've ever done for Thanksgiving is to just include Zoopans and they do all the hard work. Yeah, not all of it. We still like to make our turkey, sure. but we'll, we'll do some of it. They also, I don't know if you're aware, but they also have some, they also have Carrie St. Honoré. Treats. Oh, yeah. Know, and we had, we discussed that here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you can get pumpkin pie tarts and, uh, or pecan, pecan pumpkin tart and uh, the St. Honoré stuff. But all the, their bakery is just fantastic. A lot of great bakeries yeah. um, supply them. And uh, their breads, the bre- their bread section is second to none. Some of our best bakeries in Portland, you can source their goods at Zupan's. Don't forget, while well, you're at Zoo Pants, to sign up for the news feed. You just took advantage of that. A little marinara sauce yeah. last year, last week with some pasta. It's yeah. very good. Zoo Pants marinara and they have a basil, um, garden basil. I don't know if that's what it's called, but they have two different varieties. They they can themselves. Yeah, the news feed will give you weekly updates about what's going on in the stores as well as some incentives to come in and, and occasionally get things for free, which is just awesome. Yeah, walk in, pull out your email, check out what you're going to get for free and go shopping. Three locations, Zupans. You've got the one on Burnside, Lake Grove, McAdam, and of course, always, Zupans.com. Here we go, another week and another chance for you to enjoy Right at the Fork. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast with your host, Chris Angeles, Portland Food Adventures. And, of course, that's the cue to say Court Johnson. Did you post something about... uh Ginger Day is it Ginger? I did. Redhead, there was a day, day. There was a day early in November that was called National Love Your Red Hair Day. And as a redheaded guy, <laughs> I'm just I'm t- I'm well I'm tired in general of these national whatever. Right, but it's this like, was a big self esteem day for you. Well, it was. I I suppose so, but it's just like red hair. I mean. I, I you should read the article. It's at kink.fm. I basically said being a redhead isn't that great because it typically means you've got pale skin and that means sunburns. That's what it comes down to. But are there any other advantages? Is, are there advantages like being a tall person and a redhead with that? No, I, I, there's there, nothing there that is, you can cite. I, that, I, as far as I know, well, the, the one thing is like apparently redheads can, we can generate our vitamin D better than other humans. Oh, that's good. So that's, that's which is why, pharmacy. Yeah, which is, yeah, which is why Portland is my place. But no, other than that, like, 
we require more anesthesia. Oh, which is I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I don't you know I don't know. I wonder if that's something you have to let your doctor know about, or they can just tell by looking at. Sure, you. P- possibly. Yeah, <laughs> here's comes a redhead. Give him double dose. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think just as a picked on redhead, I was the only redhead in a family of eight. By the way, well, how'd that um, happen? I asked the. I was going to make a, a mailman joke, but I won't do that. I've done the UPS joke about my son for years. But. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I, 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 I quite literally felt like, to a large degree, the bastard redheaded kid in the family. But <laughs> but yeah. we love you. Thank you. No, and I, I appreciate we, that. And you know, the podcast used to be to, to, to a 66% redheads. Yes, so that's true. Heather was here. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So uh, I was a minority. You were. I had to... There's there's few of us, but uh, I mean, this, this is not about redheads. This is right. About... Our guest is a brunette, actually. That's true. Today. Yeah, right. um, and probably usually up in a hairnet or something like that at Burgerville. That's, that's part of the code. I would think so, but we didn't ask. No, it's not something we touched on. Nope. I think I went a little bit into too far into the the marketing self in me was a little inquisitive, and I realized it halfway through. So I apologize well, to listeners if I was. It, it, it's interesting because you do have the, a very unique Portland, I actually should say Northwest brand. Right. Um, a that big I, brand. That, yeah, that I think that a lot of people take pride in. And so it, it is interesting. They've got some interesting marketing that's going on right now. I heard one the other day where they're talking about, hey, you know, we, we people reach out to us all the time. How can we do this in the South? And they basically say, we'd love to do this in the South. We'll help you. But you're not naming it Burgerville because Burgerville is at the Northwest. Right. So, and, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, one of my favorite parts about this is I actually, I had to disappear briefly during the, uh, p- during the interview and then I came back and I got a pumpkin, uh, shake. Yeah. I was, we were like completely circumventing your rule of the studio. Oh, if I step and out, I don't care what happens. In really? There. Well, just so, don't destroy the But equipment. it was fun. But so we had Becky McGrath in and, um, she is, the, she's the chef at Burgerville. Yeah. So they're. Sort of, you know, we just had Phil Oswalt on from the Mac Club. Mm-hmm. They're doing a lot of covers. Well, Burgerville, I didn't ask her how many burgers. Oh, yeah, that, see that, that, that would uh, probably be a good question to find out because there's multiple locations, and she oversees the the menu choices that goes into all these restaurants. When they the update thing. something, or they change something, or they bring in something brand new, right? She's and making sure there's consistency across the board. That's it, the consistency, the quality assurance. So yeah. she's visiting all the restaurants. And outlets and training new training people how to to make the food so it's the best it can be. Yeah, it's an interesting story, and you know I think Burgerville's place in the market has changed in years, and we talk about that. Yeah, because um, now you got some. You know, we just had Micah Camden on, who's right. built Super a Deluxe. couple of burger brands, yep. and uh, so uh, there are a lot of people attempting to become. The new Burgervilles are even bigger. They mm-hmm. want to go national. And, you know, Burgerville is very content to be Northwest, I believe. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's my, my takeaway yeah, from everything. Yeah, they're not looking to expand into no. other markets. I, so. I think, it, it go back to this quality control, because they know the local growers, they have control over what their product is at the end of the day. When you start expanding, you start losing some of that control. Exactly. So, and... um yeah, it was good to hear her take on it. And I actually, we had never met Becky before, yeah. and she's really nice. And I think I, my take was, tell me if you, well, you weren't there the whole time, but I think about a third of the way through, she's, see, I don't know what happened. Maybe that we were eating, drinking milkshakes. And I'll do it. But she seemed to, uh, I thought she was 
just having a good time after a while, probably after I was asking him, after the questions about, about some of the other burger places right. moved on. But, um, but I, you know, curious to see if she's eating at those places. Oh, yeah. And it was also nice of her to mention uh, our friends at Ringside Steakhouse. Mm-hmm. That was not planned. That, oh, yeah, no. I'm I've... disclaiming that up front. That was not anything that was planted. I, w- I would like to participate in this. So just, I'm just putting that out there as well. Yes, okay. Well, so Becky McGrath of Burgerville, enjoy. Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more with delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupan's on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove. And at Zupan's.com, eat well, put taste first, love your food. Ringside Steakhouse. Owned by the Peterson family for generations, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape, featuring impeccable service that has set the standard in Portland for nearly 75 years. Enjoy the finest aged steaks in Portland, their world-famous onion rings, and even Ringside's legendary late-night happy hour. Whether it's a special occasion, a business dinner, or just a great night out, make a reservation at ringsidesteakhouse.com and buy San Pellegrino. Iconic, fresh, sparkling water with an extraordinary Italian heritage. It's a great, refreshing way to enhance any dining experience. Ask for San Pellegrino by name the next time you're having a great meal. Ever since its foundation in 1899, San Pellegrino has been a premium brand synonymous with style. Try it with your next meal and enjoy the difference San Pellegrino can make. Um, while we're on that, what's the coffee situation at Burgerville? I've never really checked that out. Uh, we have Portland roasting. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Do, do you... Um, is that stemming from its flavor or a financial arrangement or both? Um, it's stemming from mostly from its local. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not entirely sure where the decision landed because that was made before I came on. Mm-hmm. So it is local. We do have a really good partnership with them. That's good. Yeah. There are a lot of local roasters. When they, I noticed, have a lot of, they have arrangements with a lot of people because they set them before. A lot yes. of other roasters came online. That's what it is, though. They've been around for a very long time. Yeah. And they're the ones that have been consistently local and haven't changed. Right. They serve them out at um, at the, um, where I am in Manzanita. That's Portland Roasting. <laughs> so, and I always feel like it would be nice if they juggled them around a little bit instead of the same roaster at that one cool coffee shop. But anyway, that happens. So are you... On the so you're the chef. Do you also go out and seek out new sources for Burgerville products, or I, is that done for you? And then, because you know, it could be like the baseball arrangement where the general manager makes all the trades and brings the players <laughs> in, and then you're you're the manager and you deal with what the the players are that you have. Is that the way it works? Somewhat. There's um, we have a supply chain director. She really has. Uh, a large part of the partnerships that we have with our our vendors, but mm-hmm. we collaborate a lot on new vendors coming in right, and so, new products. So, so I have a a part in it, but the person that holds 
most of the collaboration with them would be her. So do, I, I would imagine it probably works a couple of different ways, but one might be you have a recipe or something new and then you say to her, we need to source a zillion of the, uh, you know, figs or whatever it might be. <laughs> and what do you got going for figs? Or does she come and say, hey, I just tasted the best pomegranates you're ever going to have. And so, and we can get a good deal on them because I'm sure that's part of it in this. And a fairly, I'm just going to imagine low margin food world, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can't make, huge margins on $1.50 burgers and uh, some of the things. But so how does that work? Does that, does, does it often come from you? Does it come from sourcing? Um, a lot of the newer ingredients um, I have been working to find so that it's local, it's uh, in season. And then she typically goes and finds the best vendor to work with. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a partnership that we already have through our produce warehouse or uh, with a farm directly. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I mean, it kind of... Do you get to go out on the farms or you... Uh, yes. You do little field trips? Because those are great. We do. We actually did a field trip this summer with a bunch of crew members and took them down to a ranch. And they got to go and meet the rancher and their family and the cows and feed the cows. Nice. And so that was a lot of fun for the crew to be able to see that. And is that just one of many ranchers that you deal with? Yes. I would imagine you're sourcing quite a bit of beef in one ranch camp. Yeah. It's supply one all of, of it. It's one of many. So we buy our beef through Country Natural. Mm-hmm. So it's a co-op. So it's one of the local ranchers that we use. And then we're, we're, what is, what's the geography that Country Natural covers? Country Natural has quite a quite a bit of land that spans over t- closer to the Midwest. Oh. So they supply beef, a lot of beef all over. And, you know, they work with Whole Foods. They work with uh, a large variety of people. So they sell on both retail and wholesale sides. So how often do you um, check the quality of the beef that you have? And every you, single day. Every day. So, um, so you're making burgers and tasting them. Every day, and do you have situations where you're calling, calling her and saying this isn't up to snuff? Or, yeah. And then, how quickly is that rectified? I'm sorry, I'm just curious about. No, that. it's um, it's rectified fairly quickly. We have a close partnership with both the company that works with the beef to create our burgers, as well as the ranchers, and so typically. The issue, if there is one, is fat content. And so that's usually with the grinder. Mm-hmm. And so it can be rectified fairly quickly. Too much fat or not enough fat? Too much. Too much. That's usually where the, the fault lies is there's a little bit heavy fat. So the meat doesn't hold together as well. Doesn't make it a little more flavorful? Oh, fat is flavor. Yeah. But when you're cooking it on a grill that is a high heat grill, right? That fat kind of dissipates quicker than the meat cooks, and so it can create holes. Oh, we don't want that. No, we have that in bread. We don't need to start moving that to burgers. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your um, what's your benchmark as a kid? What were your memories of your favorite burgers growing up? I have, I can still smell 
my parents belonged to a club, and I can still smell those cheeseburgers, and they were still, I think, among the best I've ever had in my life. Now, I live in Portland, Oregon, where there's some pretty good burgers, but still those early memories, mm-hmm. you know, sit with you for a long time. What do you, what kind of childhood burger memories do you have, and fry memories, and milkshake memories? Um, my earliest burger memories are of me sneaking to the convention center Burgerville because my parents raised us vegetarian. And that's interesting. Getting a burger when they weren't there. <laughs> and which bur- did, was it a big burger? It was like no. you're, you're going to go all the way. No, I was more about um, two original cheeseburgers and fries with extra sauce. And so did you, were you rebellious enough to go back and say, I'm done with this? Did you say vegan or vegetarian? Vegetarian. I'm done with this vegetarian thing? No. We never told them that. They knew. We were the kids that would, like, um, wait till my parents left on Saturdays to do their errands for the day, and we'd run next door to the grocery store and buy steaks and cook them while they were gone. And they couldn't smell that when they got back as vegetarians? Not when you open all the windows and doors. They had it figured out. They had it all figured out. You open all the windows and doors and turn fans on. Or you think you got away with it. Oh, we got away with it. Oh, you did. Okay. So, and then when did you just come out of the the omnivore closet? I was... Oh, the carnivore closet. I'm sorry. I was at my neighbor's house, and I was cooking dinner with her and eating dinner with her, and she made her fried chicken, and I got caught eating chicken. And what age was that? Um, I was about nine, okay. I think, nine or ten. So what do your parents say now that they know that you're the uh, the burger queen? They're not vegetarian anymore. Oh, okay. Did that, <laughs> did that cure them? The, I don't know. They, um, all the kids grew up and left home. and Because of that, they couldn't eat meat. Exactly. And then my parents started eating meat again. To bring them back? Didn't work. Too no. late. <laughs> No, it was too late. We were already we already had our meat in our houses. So where did you go off to eat more meat? Did you leave the area? So obviously you grew up around this area because you went to a Burgerville. Yes, I did. I grew up in Northeast Portland. Oh, okay. And so, by the way, was that an important criteria for Burgerville when they hired you as their chef, that you came from this area? Because no. you would think it might be. It, it wasn't. It was helpful. And they were very happy to have somebody from the area that could uh, speak to our flavors and, you know, the food that comes from this area. Uh, but the experience of working in kitchens and educating crew members, that was the biggest priority for them. And where did you do that before Burgerville? Um, directly before Burgerville, I worked for New Seasons Market. Okay. I worked in their delis in the kitchens for 10 years. Mm. You know who I heard just recently is working at New Seasons, which is incredible, is, you know, Matt Leitner used to be the chef at Castagna? Yes. He's working at New Seasons now. Oh, wow. I just heard that on Gary and Mike's podcast yesterday. Wow. Or last night. Yeah, Matt's one of the most talented chefs in the country, if yes, not the he world. Is. He's working at New Seasons, so. Um, Where? So they have, well, and a lot of good people have been through New Seasons. I know mm-hmm. Jason... French was there, and probably a lot more that I can't think of right now, or just aren't coming to mind. But um, you did a lot of training there, too? Yeah. And how long ago was that? Because I don't think, when I moved here in 2005, I don't think they had the take-home 
uh, situation as down as they do now. No, they hadn't really had a whole lot of um, what we're looking at today as the take home. Mm -hmm. It was um, more emphasized on what you could get out of the deli case. And there's a lot more emphasis on the actual grab, what they call their grab and go, which is, you know, somebody walks in, they see it, they take it, and they take it home and either eat it cold or warm it up. That has definitely evolved, especially in the last three to five years. At all the markets, in everywhere, Zupans and uh, Whole Foods, they're all, they're all doing a good job in that. And even the Safeways are jumping on board too, especially since Safeway has locations in the Pearl. Mm-hmm. They have to do that. Yes. Um, how much of your business is takeout, speaking of? How much of the business yeah, is takeout? Yeah, at Burgerville is takeout. Um, a very large percentage. So about, I would say 65% goes through the drive-thru. Mm-hmm. And closer to 75 would be in takeout. That's a lot. So I would imagine that's frustrating for you because for me, the main reason I'm going to eat in store is because right off the bat, the fries are going to be better Yep. in the store. Once I get that, that drive home, I'm not talking specifically about Burgerville fries, but just fries in general. That drive home kills fries. Yeah. So, Chris, that is why you eat fries on the drive home. Well, that's, that's, what's, that's what I do. I, how, how do you not understand this? Well, I do do that, but so, you got to get home with some because there are other people. Do, do you? Sometimes there are other people involved. Do you not care about your girls? Well, so, okay. Sure, but. I'm, <laughs> sure, but. You, you buy, you order a side of fries for the drive. Oh. Is what you do. Yeah. Yeah, I know you but, do. Or, and an extra burger yeah. for but, the drive. But, but to your point. <laughs> Fries cool down, and at a certain temperature, they start to lose their goodness. And so, which is why eating in, in store in, in the Burgerville is the way to do it. Yeah, but so I would imagine as a chef, that's tough because you know that 70% of it is going to be eaten when it's not quite as good. Yeah, it's not going to be eaten at its peak. So, so there's a level of frustration with that. Yeah. Just because... Um, when you work with food, you're inherently a little bit of a control freak. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a frustration with that, and you just have to work and train the crew so that we on our end can do our best to make sure that what goes out the door is the freshest possible just because of that. The hottest. I mean, yeah. within minutes, right? If, you, if they're sitting there for three minutes, they're already on their way yes, out. Yes, exactly. So um, you got to make sure. So... Um, and I, you know, if I were if I were the king of the world in Burgerville, I'd say something. We recommend you eat them here, just so that you know it's almost like when they have them at home and they're not quite as good as they would have. We told you so. There's that message that they got. So, and that's the way I would think because it does make it's same thing with pizza. Right. It's just not as good when you're when you get at home. So, that's got to be a little bit of a challenge. What are some of the other challenges? that you have to overcome as, I'll ask you in a couple of different ways. First, just as fast food. But secondly, it's another issue, I guess. But so going back a few years, how long have you been at Burgerville now? Um, Almost three years. Okay, almost three years. But go back before that. So you have a challenge, I think, that maybe other chefs before you didn't have to the degree that you have in that... um, when I moved here in 2005, Burgerville was the cool 
you know, it wasn't McDonald's, mm-hmm. it wasn't Burger King, it was the local fast food, kind of like, I'm sure you're probably sick of hearing this, but kind of the closest you get to In-N-Out Burger in the Northwest, and so it had that cool vibe. Now, all of a sudden, you're not the only game in town in terms of local franchises. So you've got, have you tried a super deluxe burger? I have not. Okay. I have not. Not to, I know it's blasphemous on your podcast to mention somebody else, but (laughs) the fact is they're coming, you know, there are others that come into play and we've had them on this podcast too. Mm -hmm. So, um, is that, is that something that concerns Burgerville that they're, as time goes on, they're going to be more and more of these great Portland chefs, or even if they're not from Portland, coming in and trying to do their thing to establish themselves. Um, yeah, Burgerville isn't the only game in town as it was maybe 20 years ago. Or even eight years ago. Yeah, exactly. Or even five years ago. I'll let some you say of that. These, Good. Some of these companies are definitely popping up. Um, right. There are more moving in. Mm-hmm. And it's always good to keep a watchful eye on what's going on around you. Um, we are going to continue to focus on local. Um, I think that we have a unique way of telling our story, of bringing the connection with the ranchers, the farmers forward. Um, for example, uh, the previous shake that just ended had a beautiful picture of the apple farmer. Mm-hmm. And him picking the apples, and we got to have a conversation with him. And when Rosemary season starts, we had this wonderful conversation with this lady that has been growing rosemary for, I couldn't even tell you how long. And so we make connections with our partners, and we really want to cultivate that and create a long-lasting partnership. And I think that separates us from other folks that are coming in and we focus on not just the food but where the food comes from and I think that that's just as important knowing that our ranchers are out there and they have this passion for how they not only grow but take care of their animals to the extent that they don't own four four buys Mm -hmm. because they don't want to scare the animals and I think that that story is unique and I think when somebody comes into a Burgerville and they see these pictures and they make those connections, that that will separate us from the other folks that are coming in. I think it's always been an impressive story, one that I've noticed with Burgerville too, and done done well. No pun intended. <laughs> Wouldn't have a well done burger anyway, if I have my choice. But um, but that but that's one thing when people come in the store; those are your customers They're already there. But it's communicating it to the. It's harder and harder to get mm-hmm. the attention of, especially um, the, we don't like to use the word foodies, but the people who are really tuned in, who are reading Eater, you know, who yeah. subscribe to Eater and watch what's going on in the local market. It's harder and harder to get their attention. They're not watching TV. They're not listening to radio. They're listening. We like to think they're listening to podcasts, but more so than commercial Radio, they're not reading newspapers as much, so it's harder to get that message out there. And the message isn't as unique as it used to be, right? It used to be years ago, someone talked about local farmers, there was some education to be done as to why that's a great idea. I don't think you need to tell people nowadays necessarily why. There's still, yeah, listen, we still have to tell people to vote. So there's that, but... (laughs) but, 
but I just think that message has been out there, put out there by a lot of people for a while. So it's a, it's a great message, but it's just a little more challenging because it becomes a little more generic after a while. The word local used to be, I think, more special than it. It's still special, but everybody's using it. You know, it's like, it's like natural on the, on the grocery store package, package, package goods. I natural. What word. is that? Yeah. What does it mean? <laughs> But um, I would imagine it's a little bit of a challenge, and I probably shouldn't be asking you that because you're not in marketing, right? No, I'm not in marketing. I work right. with them, right. but I am not in marketing. And, you know, I can I can speak to what I see out there. And, you know, we have a group of people that are much more educated about the food that is out there, what they're eating. You have a lot of authors writing about it. You have people reading about it. We have all kinds of ways of not having to read books, but get that information. And I think locations like Burgerville and a lot of our local companies have put a lot of effort towards educating people as to what they're actually, what they're eating, where it comes from, making a connection with not just food, but where the food is grown. And it is harder to get your own personal message, your company's message out there because everybody now has the idea of what they think local is right, and what they think sustainable means. And there is so many variations of it that you have to just keep changing your views or not. Let me rephrase that. You have to keep um, up leveling yourself. You have to keep kind of taking what your message is mm -hmm. and making it more edgy and bringing people's attention towards it. I would imagine for Burgerville, it's a challenge because you're battling those huge Subway, McDonald's, Burger King budgets out there. I mean, they can, they're going to outspend you all day long to get their message out there. And on the other hand, you've got a, you've got, you don't know, it's, do you call yourselves fast food? Yeah. At Burgerville? So, yeah. So it's got that slightly negative connotation, but if you can pull it back into local, um, then the negatives of fast food kind of go away. Yeah. And the positives, you know, you've got good product that's fairly priced. I was telling Court before he came in, my son and I, who's now in his 20s, but we started teens, when, when we were up in the air as to where to go, Burgerville is always a good choice because we enjoy it. It's not very expensive, and I get my strawberry lemonade, a raspberry lemonade that I really love there. And uh, occasionally onion rings. I've always wondered, you can tell me why three onion rings are $5. That's always, you know, when, I've always wondered how that works. But I also understand if you slice them smaller, there'd be 12 of them there instead of three. And there's your answer. But um, when I first moved here from the East Coast as an onion ring freak, I'd go, really? I'm paying that, you <laughs> that much? But they're really good. You know, they you're are. using Walla Walla onions, which I imagine are a little more expensive to source than any old onion. So you've got that. I'm sorry. I'm going on and on. You want to interview me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, the, it is, the onions are a, uh, a heritage brand, and we have been buying them from the same family the entire time we've used them. And, and how many onions uh, a season? Because you only do those seasonally, right? They, they are only seasonally. How long are they? There? They typically last about eight weeks. Okay. But... You know, much like most of our seasonal food, it's up to Mother Nature. So if they could start earlier, they could end earlier. 
but typically around Fourth of July weekend is when we get them in because, you know, the stores get them in a little bit earlier, but we want to get them when they're in their like height of their their seasonality, the mm-hmm. height of their flavor, and we want to end them while they're still in that height. Mm-hmm. So it they have lasted upwards of nine weeks, but eight is typically what it is. And that also helps you with your message too, because when you're serving seasonal products, that's automatically saying we're buying local because otherwise you'd be serving onion rings year round. And then that, mm-hmm. that always makes it a little special. What do they have now? What's going on now? And boy, you can, you can check your, your produce seasonality if you really follow it through Burgerville because you've you know, you got your raspberries in at a certain mm-hmm. time and strawberries. So that, that's fun. What is your, What's your biggest challenge? What's the toughest part of your job? Um, the toughest part of my job is um, getting to all of the restaurants, meeting the new crew members, and being able to spend quality time with those crew members. And are and they turning over fairly rapidly? Because I would imagine it is a, it is, it's it got to be tough. You could meet, you could meet with, you know, go to a store, and then two months later, it's a quite a different crew, I would imagine. That can happen, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an industry of high turnover. Um, Typically, you get a lot of younger folks that this is their first job. So they come and go as school starts and ends, which is nice because we get a lot of crew members that will go to college and they'll come back for the summer break or, you know, whatever breaks they have, spring break, winter break, and work with us. We have a lot of crew members that do that. Let's take a minute uh, right here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse. It's been a favorite for a lot of people. For uh, They're celebrating their 75th year next year. Which is awesome. Yeah. Who else? I guess what? Huber's maybe in Portland that has been around that long. But right. no one's been uh, carrying the torch for service as long as uh, Ringside Steakhouse. And as of, uh, and very recently also the Fish House, which unfortunately closed. Yeah. So they were, um, if, if you haven't heard the story yet, they, in that space over at Fox Tower, the, um, the building, the a tenant wanted more space and the Petersons decided that uh, they didn't have a younger generation that was interested in operating the restaurant business. So they decided to just stick with what they know really well. Mm-hmm. Not that they didn't know the fish house well, but they got an offer they couldn't refuse, I guess, for the space. And uh, and now they're they're going to operate the steakhouse solely. The good news here is if you're a big fan of the onion rings, <laughs> it's all about those, the have, onion those rings. have always been in both places. And I, I had just this past weekend, I introduced a friend of mine to the onion rings. And if you've, if you've never had the ringside onion rings, you are missing out because they are perfection. I've I had friends, two sets of friends here last month who enjoyed that, but also the lobster mashed potatoes, oh, which yeah. you could you could still get at Ringside Steakhouse. We did that too. And they have the after nine o'clock happy hour mm-hmm. menu, which is just as good as the Fish House is better than the Fish House's uh, happy hour menu too. Yeah. So, and not only that, of course, classic states service and an atmosphere. Did you know? I don't know if you knew this, Court, because. You have to be paying a little bit of attention. Portland Business Journal, Ringside won Best Restaurant in Portland. Uh, and a few categories as well. Not only Best Restaurant, but I think Best Service, Best Decor, 
That might have been it. Oh, I, the, may, I may be wrong on that, but listeners are certainly welcome to, to call me out. If yes, certainly. Easily the best service in Portland that I've experienced myself. I think so. Is at the steakhouse. It's, so. old, it's old school service. Right. It's, you know, it's asking the right questions and knowing what you like when you come in, if mm-hmm. you've been there multiple times. So yeah, Ringside Steakhouse over on West Burnside. What's the what, the website is? Uh, RingsideSteakhouse.com. Yeah, there you go. That easy, and that's where you can also go and set up a reservation today. Yeah, and you can do that as individuals, or if you have a corporate outing, you're going to impress. Mm-hmm. Who does the friendliness training? Because they're also friendly. That's a lot of people. We have taken... That's the hiring process, too. It is the hiring process, but it's also the educational process of teaching them um, how Burgerville wants to show up within the community and how Burgerville wants to show up for every guest. And it that's one thing that has not changed hardly at all over the years is this is how you greet somebody. Mm-hmm. This is how you make a quick and instant connection with somebody because it, it's not easy to make that connection with somebody and have it last and land with that person in front of you and do it quickly to, you know, be respectful of their time and the person's time behind them and the line behind them. It's not always easy, but it's impressive when you get somebody who can do that and stay with it and keep that smile on their face because it can be trying to do that. I would imagine, and I don't know, you don't, have the same experience I do, but I moved here from the East Coast, and it was culture shock when I got here, and everybody was so friendly. At the grocery stores, <laughs> I mean, driving, here you go, no, no. So, uh, I mean, the grocery stores were a real hard thing to deal with, because on the East Coast, they'll barely even acknowledge your presence as they're checking you out, and you say thank you, and they might cough, and then you come out here, but I have noticed, um, you know, I, I have my little, um, my vice, my sausage biscuits once in a while at McDonald's. There's one really close for a buck. And their coffee's not too bad. They're getting friendlier and friendlier. I've noticed. Well, it's only the one that's close to me. That's the only one I know. But um, I would imagine that that's a, that can be a tough thing. I guess it's easier when people are younger. Right, so they're happier to have the job than someone who might be in their forties that is that is working a lo- pretty low-paying job, and that's also what I wanted to ask you. You're here on the podcast as a chef, but you're also, you know, we're not talking to anybody else from Burgerville, so I'm just curious about how you're dealing with the upcoming wage incre- minimum wage increases, and all those things. Is that a challenge for you? Um. Well, I, I typically don't deal directly with those, right. and um, I just deal with the food. So the logistics behind that are not within my purview. Okay, that's fair, that, but that's why I acknowledge that. <laughs> You're the only one here, so I'm asking. So, um, But let, we'll, we'll talk more about chef questions. What's your favorite thing on the menu? If you have some, your, your parents' friends are in town, and they're coming to Burgerville, what do you want them to order? What do I want them to order? Yes. Um, the original cheeseburger, that's my favorite. And I put pickles on it. And the Tillamook. The Tillamook. I think that um, those two represent not just Burgerville, but the area. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody knows what, no, well, they didn't used to know what Tillamook was. Um, Everybody does. My now. uncle couldn't even pronounce it. He's from upstate New York, and he would come and 
like what what's what's that cheese name again i don't remember because he didn't want to say it wrong but um i think you read that you look at that burger when i look at it it really has so many local ingredients on it and i think it's a really nice representation of us and the pacific northwest and and the, the, fries are, cheeseburgers. the fries are good there too yes um and i again i said i'm partial to the flavored lemonades I do. I love them in the summer. I drink them like water. It, They're not, yeah. You can only drink so many, you got to watch the sugar a little bit. And that's exactly the problem. I get a big one and I drink it in about four minutes and I'm like, oh, I need to leave. Otherwise, I'm going to get another one. So, you know, um, I've never, I've always been a uh, very pure, a purist when it comes to burgers. So my perfect burger has always been, and it's changing because I live in Portland. It's in, Almost impossible to get this, but a well, uh, um, a rare burger with great cheese on a nice grilled bun and ketchup, and that's the way I used to like it. Now I'm adding onions and mushrooms and those sorts of things. But I really like your sauce, your Burgerville sauce, on the small little burgers. They work for me. They're okay. It does. So it works well. You evolve. So, um, is it the Tillamook Burger has been around a long time? The Tillamook Burger was actually created by our guests. They um, requested it. Um, they decided the, I don't remember what year it was, but it's been quite a few years. They decided they wanted to put a new burger on the menu. And so they did a poll with the guests and did uh, taste tests with the guests. And they chose not just what ingredients would go on it, but how, like how the whole burger would be put together. So, did I get a, because uh, I've got, I recently got a Tillamook burger. You don't melt the cheese on there, or is that, was that just something, an aberration? That was an aberration. Oh, okay. It should be. <laughs> it should be melted on there. Okay. Because, um, yes, melted cheese is what a is what you cheeseburger want is all about. Um, how much research do you do when you have a new product, a new, uh, how much is just your decision or in the kitchen amongst other people and who are those other people and how much is put out there with focus groups? Do you use focus groups? Um, we do. Um, it's kind of still forming how we're going to use focus groups at this point because it's kind of changed through the years. Um, we do, we have used them, especially with our shakes recently mm -hmm. to get some really broad feedback. Um, there's a large group of people. There's about, right now, about six people that we all come together and essentially take what ingredients I am trying to push my agenda. <laughs> and we discuss uh, how it would be, how it would fit into Burgerville. Would it fit into Burgerville? And kind of continue the process from there. And how many new products do you personally come Devise new recipes, new new things um, over the course of a year. You've over been there the three course. years, so mm -hmm. I, I'm going to guess that when you're in your eighth year, maybe there'll be a, a few more because you've been there longer. I'm um, hoping it won't take that long. Right. Okay. Well, I'm sure. But how many new products a year are you responsible for? Um, we have our favorites that don't change. So right. you know, asparagus. And right. So you only have so many that you can do because you can. Only, there's only so much room on the menu. That's true. That is true. Um, menu is different from our seasonal items, though. So, you know, the seasonal items, we 
have taken different looks at. You know, the pumpkin is starting later than it normally has. Uh, a lot of other folks started it in August, and we started it on Halloween because we had a whole season of apples right there in the middle. And mm -hmm. so that's an example of bringing something new in is bringing in apples, which right at the beginning of September are starting to get harvested. And so there's an example of bringing in something that is new, but not getting rid of something that is loved and has been around for a while. So the apples were new this yeah. year? The apple spice Of all shake. things, because we're in the Pacific Northwest where some of the best apples in the world. Yep, and there's so many of them. They're everywhere. I didn't have the apple spice milkshake. I gotta, they're not around any. Are they gone? They're not. They're, they're not going to come back till next year. All right. Well, I'll just have to remember next year. It's now that you have my email address, you have to uh -huh. say, hey, Chris, boom, get in here for that. Yep. Start letting you know when things are coming out. Yeah. I love an apple spice milkshake and the pumpkin spice. How do you feel about now all of a sudden pumpkin spice flavors are getting a bad rap? I think it's sad. Um, I think that when you oversaturate... <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> you know, it, it just became the joke of the uh, for people who weren't drinking an espresso. You know, it really from the coffee side of things. It's not necessarily flavors which, that you things you would get at Burgerville. Yeah, you're right. It wouldn't be um, the one thing that I am pretty proud of with our pumpkin spice milkshake is that it's pumpkin forward, and it is pumpkin. It's. Um, ingredients again it's holistic ingredients we're getting pumpkins from this area and it's being processed in this area and it is oh she's got one i, I, I have to wait for see we see that little sign over there it's the most ridiculous sign in the world for a place oh, that has was, a food <laughs> podcast no food or drink we sneak some sometimes and i see you brought some great things and we both appreciate it we will we will hopefully they're not fries because they've been sitting there for a while but no, they're not fries. I'm just, kidding, just, <laughs> just referencing it. We appreciate it. But no, um, Court's not here. We can sneak a little of that if you have some pumpkin spice. Um, yeah. Thank you, Chris. So, and as long as you're here, Chris, you can't speak because you don't have a <laughs> mic. You can speak, but you're, you're busy at the moment. How long have you been working with Burgerville? April of this year. So Chris is your publicist who we discussed to mm -hmm. come on here. Do you work? Closely together? Uh, seem, yeah. Yeah, you seem yeah. very friendly. Yeah, we do. Well, that's good. Well, that's good. So what? what is, uh, Chris, not to put you on the spot, but publicist, what influences she had on some of the, some of your work? <laughs> um, she has had a lot of really me and how I put myself out there. Okay. How do I, how do I articulate my thoughts around food, my love for the food, my love for the Pacific Northwest. Because mm -hmm. um, my family is actually from the East Coast as well. Whereabouts? Um, this is dangerous. Just watch that board over there. Um, my dad is from upstate New York, mm -hmm. very small town just outside of Poughkeepsie. Okay. And, I grew up in that general area. And uh, do you know Wappingers Falls? Yeah. That's where my dad, that's where my dad grew up. Oh, cool. Yeah, and my mom is from Rhode Island, or Long Island. Whereabouts in Long Island? The Chargers that I gave you. Um, Court's you... going to kill me here. He really is. 
But I mean, um, I, I'm seeing pumpkin spice milkshake here, and I think I, I I have an issue where I have to feed everybody all the time. That's not a bad issue. No. Are you so? Um, so my mom's from. Do you have um, a family? Are you? You're married, kids? No, I'm not. You're not. So, no, I'm not. So that's a little that's a little tougher if you want to feed everybody all the time. You got to find people. I have seven siblings. I find people. All and they're the around time. here. Yeah. yeah all okay. but one. All but one lives in this area. Oh, cool. But it's not the same as, I guess I'm defending what I just said, having someone to go home every night and say, here's some food, try this. That is true. Yeah, so here we go. So we're we're doing the, this has never been done here. We've never actually prepared food. You've never prepared food in here? No. We've been handed a few things, and then we usually take them afterwards. But, so that um, you're not breaking the rules. Yeah. So like get this done right before now. court comes back, and then we'll test to see if he actually listens to these podcasts when he's not here. Uh, there you go. If he goes back and listens to the areas, I guarantee he won't know. So if you get that done quickly, he's not going to know. But thanks, I appreciate the sentiment and the the uh, the thought. Here it goes. We're getting a little whipped cream on there, which I'm not supposed <laughs> to have. That's enough. That's good. And there's the spice. I got a pumpkin spice milkshake here. Thank you. Um, so, what's your favorite thing all year? Your absolute favorite thing at Burgerville? That's year round. Yeah, or no, that you look forward to. What are the best things on the menu? If you go, if you were going, if I'm not going to say this, but if if a food celebrity was, you were going to be on a TV show and they were coming to Burgerville and you could pick any time of the year, what would you ha- What would you be making for them? Um, what I would be making for them would be our smoky blue cheeseburger mm-hmm. and our rosemary fries. Rosemary fries are great. They are really, really delicious. Very nice. And what about the uh, the things that are just generally on them? Is the smoky blue cheeseburger always on the menu? No, it's one of our seasonal uh, our seasonal burgers. So um, if it was something that's on our menu, mm-hmm. um, I would give them more than one. So. Right. I would do. Oh the, yeah, no. It's I would like, do the original, and I would do the pepper bacon, right, and the Tillamook. Okay. Give them a real variety of what we have on our menu, and give them the opportunity to taste all of it. I've never done this. Can I order my burger rare at no, Burgerville? Can't no, be done. It can't be done. It just comes the way you you do it. Yeah. Like it couldn't even be done a little less. No. Well, not much. It has to be cooked. Um, it has to be cooked through. To federal regulations. Yes. How do well, other, state re- regulations. How do other re- restaurants get away with not doing that? Do you I, have to, do you have to different... comply with different rules because you're bigger? Yeah. It's the, it's the kind of establishment we are. So, you know, you go to Ringside. That's a, this is a great example. I'll be going on Sunday, so tell me what to do. If you go to Ringside and you order their, the Ringside burger, mm-hmm. um, they grind the meat in their restaurant. Right. So they can control okay, so that the gives meat them all the way through. So that gives them the ability to cook to uh, rare, which is what I order when I go there. How often do you go to ringside? <clears throat> Quite often. Um, my sisters and I like to go to the, um, the one on uh, at the Fox Tower. Not anymore. It closed. The Fox Tower, the Ringside Fish House. Yeah, Fish House is closed. Oh my gosh, I haven't been there. Got to go to the Steakhouse now. That's it. I haven't been there in three months. Where but to the? 
Maybe so, it was longer ago than that. Yeah, it closed in, um, I think it was September, late August. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's about the last that's time sad. I went. It was good, but the steakhouse is great. Yeah, Where steakhouse is great. That's a good question. Where are your favorite places to go eat? Where does the Burgerville chef go eat in Portland? Depends on what kind of food you're talking about. So let's talk about let's talk about easy fast food. That's let's start there. Easy fast food. Yeah. Um. Easy fast food. I unless I'm doing research for work, I eat at Burgerville. Well, yeah, but okay, that's, that's good. That's my easy fast food. Okay. I um I have a lot of. But do you have like any Asian? Spence, do you like Asian food? I do. I love Asian food. So where are you going for that? Look Luck. I love them. Mm-hmm. They do a really, really delicious job. Uh, Fauvon. Fauvon Fresh is really good. Mm-hmm. I love their bowls. Well, I ask that because when I ask most chefs where they, what their favorite food is, invariably in this town, it's Asian. Mm-hmm. And I've always wondered why, but it's the proliferation of flavors, I suppose. And also a big function of that, a large function of that is how late they're open because they can get Asian food pretty late after work. Everybody else is closed. Yeah, everybody else is closed. It's just like getting Chinese food in New York City. I mean, you can get it 24 hours a day, and so that's right. usually what happens. Yeah, well, there's a lot There's a lot of Chinese food there. So uh, people come to town, and they're asking where to go other than Burgerville. Where do you tell them to go? Um, if they want homey food, mm-hmm. I'd definitely send them to Paley's Place. Mm-hmm. I love Paley's Place. Um, I'm sure Vitaly would be glad to hear you say that. I'm sure he would. He's got the best steak tartare in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a steak tartare crawl on the podcast once. There are a um, lot of good ones. And I think that, I think you're right. That was up there. I think it was either number one or tied for one mm-hmm. with Little Bird. So He does a really good job as well. Yeah. I love going to Les Pigeon. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. Have you been to Canard? I have not been to Canard. How been, often do you get out? Um, lately, uh, I've been cooking more with uh, my family and doing a lot of cooking over at my sister's house. I make her host everything. So your hours at Burgerville, are they generally Monday to Friday kind of hours? Yeah. Because it's not like, they got enough cooks. You're not they cooking. They do. I do. I work How Monday many? through Friday and it's still very different. I'm still getting adjusted to it. What's the adjustment? I've never had weekends off. I've never had holidays off. The first time they told me I didn't have to work on the 4th of July, I'm like, wait, I was shocked. I didn't know what to do. But that's not one of the big ones. You want to have Thanksgiving off and Christmas off. Our and, whole company has Thanksgiving yes, and Christmas right. off. Everybody, they we close our restaurants. It's the only two days of the year. Mm-hmm. And we, we do that so that our crew members can celebrate the holiday with their family. Well, yeah, that would be kind of a cruel thing. And mm-hmm. how many people are actually coming in? Probably more than we think. I would say would, probably would there's always in, more than you think. Right. On <laughs> Christmas to have, to have uh, even though it's great, a burger for Christmas. Um, but that's good. So you get your, you have regular hours and regular, I would imagine, vacation. Do you travel to eat? Um, I... I'm planning around traveling that way. I have in the past. We went to Hawaii not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And my search in Hawaii was, uh, can I have poke for three meals a day? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you can do that in Portland too now. Uh, 
there Plenty are more and more places popping up, yes. Right, so you can do that. So if you were to travel just to eat, though, because Hawaii is, I, Pokey's great, mm-hmm. but I don't, I'm guessing if you could, if I gave you, money wasn't an object and said, where do you want to go eat? It probably wouldn't be Hawaii because that no. comes with some other benefits. Where would you go? Where would you want to travel to eat your, your dream destinations? Valley Malou House. To where? Valley Malou House. Southern coast of Cork in Ireland. Oh, okay, yes. I almost went there last year for my birthday. I never made it. Really? So, um... I'm going next year for my birthday. Really? When is it? Um, my birthday's in January, but my friend and I are going to go in the end of May. Oh, all right. Well, mm-hmm. I almost went in April. I almost went to Cork, Kenmare, Dingle, and, uh, of course, uh, where was I landing? Probably in Dublin. Dublin, yes, Dublin. So Where, did you land in Dublin or Shannon? I didn't go. I had to cancel it because I got a puppy, and Aww. there were a few reasons. I got my puppy, <laughs> and I just, for whatever reason, I want to get back, but I canceled that trip, and I was really looking forward to it. It really looked like it was great food, and you studied there too. I saw. I did. I went to uh, Ballymaloo School. So there's two. There's Ballymaloo House, mm-hmm. and. They call it a small B&B, but it's actually a small hotel. It's Mm -hmm. grown so much over the years. And Myrtle Allen and her husband opened it. And her son, Tim, and his wife, Darina, opened up a culinary school um, about five kilometers from there. And it's called Ballymaloo School. And I went to Ballymaloo School. I think, I'm not sure, but my friend Lisa over at Raven and Rose had something to do with a cooking school over there, and I'm not sure that might have been it. I don't know. That's that's the one that everybody knows about, right? Is Ballymaloo. So we were going to do a little visit there. We we talked about a trip a few years ago. Didn't do that one either. So Ireland is going to happen sometime in it, my life. It should. It's so interesting because everybody says the food the food is not good. I'm like I don't know where you're eating because I had nothing but amazing food. I, I heard good things about it. So, I, would, I would imagine all over the world. The food has just gotten a little bit better because of media now, and mm-hmm. people are paying a little more attention to it. Um, think about it. 20 years ago, there were a lot of places that didn't have great food. Paris was known for great food, but now a lot of places are. Spain has really has gone through the roof, and uh, and here in the United States. Yeah, there's I mean, lots of think corners. Think about Portland. Mm-hmm. What's going on here? Do you have chef friends in Portland? Are you, in the, is, are you part of the whole chef community? Yes and no. Like, I, most of them are still connected to New Seasons. Oh, okay. Well, there and, and a lot of them have uh, moved out of state. So either back to where they came from or different opportunities. So what do you want to do? I know, you know, your employer is probably listening to you right now. <laughs> but 10, 15 years from now, what would you like to be doing in, career-wise? Maya. And it's fair to say, you know, you don't want to be doing what you're doing now because most chefs don't want to be doing the same thing. Some do, many do, but... Notoriously, chefs typically move quite a bit. Right, that's why I'm... I'm not the typical one. I've stayed put longer than I've moved around. Um, I like being able to cultivate relationships and educating crew. So if we're talking 10, 15 years from now, I would really love to have my own small place that does just homey food, something that is good for the soul, 
something that is seasonal and um, is pulling from local farms. There are a lot of places here that do that. So There yeah. are a lot of places here that do that. It will definitely have more of an Irish twist to it. Oh, there you go. It will be a real Irish bar, mm-hmm. which we we don't have a ton of them. We have some that are very authentic, and then there is some that are a little more gimmicky. I'd love to have a little place that just focuses on good whiskey, really good whiskey, and really good food and pair those two things together. I have a feeling you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to make that happen at Burgerville. The whiskey, the whiskey <laughs> end of it. That'd be kind of fun. That would be a good campaign anyway. Draw yep. attention. Yep. Draw some excellent attention. Yeah, well, we'll save that one for, yeah, if you still got it in there, that'd be great. Appreciate it. Um, uh, so, what do you have coming up at Burgerville that is going to be exciting? I have we, to make Chris happy here to promote <laughs> what you're... <laughs> well, right now we have the what we discussed, the pumpkin spice milkshake. Right. And which, we... Which I, not only are we discussing it, I'm drinking it. It's really good. Thank you. I'm glad you like it. Um, we're also doing a new partnership this year, and we are working with Ruby Jewel. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's special. It is. It's the first time that we've done anything along these lines before. You have to be excited about that. I am. I love them. No, but she has to be. Lisa has to be. Mm-hmm. So we have a podcast with her you can listen to. It's great. We actually went down to the new digs over there. Yes. They're so, great. Yeah. It's uh, not far from one of our restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's, nothing's very far from one of your restaurants, but it's true. you don't have one on the coast. <laughs> No, we don't. No, it'd be nice. I'd like to have one nearby that I could just jump to when I feel like a something quick and delicious. Yes, I so, don't doubt that. So what's going on with Ruby Jewel? What are you doing um, So in years past, we've had uh, pumpkin spice cookies uh, made by Cougar Mountain. Mm-hmm. And this year we're taking those, um, Ruby Jewel is taking those same cookies and they're putting their vanilla bean ice cream in there. Oh, that's what was just in front of yeah, me. Yeah, so I it's like to... a silky smooth vanilla bean ice cream. Oh, very nice. Sandwiched between the pumpkin spice cookies. Is that something you think you'll do more of now that we've got more brands, so to speak? As time goes on, where you're seeing more Portland brands that are kind of known, you know, Olympia Provisions, and all those sorts of businesses that we didn't have 15 years ago. Um, that is... What we do, we will partner with local companies and we try to do something that would be mutually beneficial. Um, you did something with Jacobson Salt too, if I recall. We will be doing something again with Jacobson Salt. Yeah, but yeah. you've done They've, it. We have partnered with them uh, several times mm-hmm. over the last several years. Uh, they make our seasoning that we use with our Walla Walla onions and they make the rosemary salt that goes in our rosemary fries. And the more relationships we can build, the better. So we'll, we'll continue to look into what's going on within the community and who's out there. How much cooking do you actually do? How much time do you spend training versus actually with a spatula in your hand? I spend about 60% of the time cooking with the crew. Okay. I was with them this morning training them on some equipment. And do they do you, do they think they know what they're doing, and then they find out quickly when you're there they don't. Sometimes, sometimes you have somebody who is new, and 
is still learning and they think that they've learned everything. And then we learn that we're always furthering our knowledge, especially with food. Everything is always changing. Something is always happening. And so they learn that I try to teach them that you can learn something new every day. I learn something new every day. We all learn something new every the year day. Year dreams of sushi. You've seen that, right? That mm -hmm. movie. Eighty years. Yeah, it's learning something new every day. He didn't want to stand pat. Do you keep up with uh, Eater and the Oregonian and the food news? Yeah. And I try to. Is that something that helps you in your job, or is it just of interest to you? Both. It is always of interest to see what other people are doing. Um, it does uh, influence what we're going to use seasonally, like know what's, what's trending, what other people are using, so that we're using something that is already focused on. Did you, I don't imagine, I'm going to guess, you're probably not a right at the fork listener. Hopefully you will be after this. I will be after you, this. So we have a few um, a few episodes with Micah Camden. Do you know Micah? You know who he is? I know who he is, yeah. Okay, so he little Big Burger sold that. And uh, now I just started Super Deluxe. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious, do you go try those places? I like Little Big Burger. Yeah, they, they do a pretty I, good job. They do, they do a pretty good job. It's simple. It's stripped away all of the fanciness of it. And it's like, yeah. here's the food. Just, that's why I, that's my thing. Just pretty yeah. simple, straightforward. Um, but so do you go around and try different burgers around town? Not just those places, but even some of the more elevated burgers, get yeah. ideas? Do you have any favorite burgers? You got a couple of favorites? I don't mean to put you on the spot because I didn't tell you I was going to ask you that. <laughs> um, I really do love the burger at Ringside, mm -hmm. the old steakhouse. Like it, a lot of it is the atmosphere. You go in and you just feel cozy, it's comfortable. It's dark. Um, which I just I, I like. just need to disclaim this was not a setup question. They're a sponsor, so oh, that are? was a really nice answer. But, <laughs> um, but I, I appreciate that. I've never heard that answer. Here, really? So I haven't asked specifically about burgers, but that's cool. That's yeah. good to know. I haven't had a burger there because when I go there, it's I want a steak. It, it is true. Right. And you the, know, you want a steak, and you yeah. want to sit down, and you want to really dig into it. Right. But it's good to know because get a burger. If they were open for lunch, I'd probably be there for. Burgers more often. You should tell them that. Yeah, well, <laughs> they, I, 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 I know Craig pretty well. I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to open for lunch. <laughs> They're doing very well. Open for dinner. Um, but they, I did actually have the, the happy hour burger at the fish house a couple of the times. The happy hour burger at the fish house is good, but was. it's not, was. But it's, it's not. It's not the same it's as not a ring the same. burger. No, they've got their oh. secret sauce that goes on there. Almost as good as ours. Almost as good as well. We'll, we'll have to get um, have to have a little challenge. I'm up for that. You, you think you're up for <laughs> it? I'll put that together. Burger Burgerville versus Ringside, and we have to throw a couple of others in there at the same time. That'll be a fun challenge. We'll talk about that. Um, anything else? No, I don't think so. I just wanted you to cover what you. I just wanted you to be able to. You know, if there's, I can't, I can't ask every single question. We don't talk politics here. Are you into sports? You like the Timbers? Or? My sister loves the Timbers. She is much more into soccer than I am. I am a more into baseball. Same with, which, who's your team? Mariners? Chicago Cubs. 
Oh, that's good. You've had a couple of good years. We have. How 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 much baseball do you get to watch? Um, not as much as I'd like. I am not one of those people that can sit at home by themselves and watch sports. Mm-hmm. I like to go and enjoy it with friends. And how many times have you been to Wrigley? I've never been to Chicago. Wow. You got to go. Uh, I am. I am doing a, I'm going to do whatever the heck I want thing next year. So I'm going to go next year. Good. So, you know, um, what would be fun to do is do a baseball tour mm-hmm. on the way out there and then just culminate it in Chicago or keep going, go to Yankee, go to Fenway. Cause if you like Wrigley, you got to go do Fenway. It's true. I was, I stayed across the street from Fenway right before the World Series. This year? Yeah. Oh, and you didn't get in? I did not. There was no getting in. Uh-uh. Well, we were there for one. Ticket. We were there for one night, and that was the night that they were at an away game and when they were playing for the pennant. And the next night, my cousin was getting married, and they were sold out. There yeah, was well, no well, they sell out every game, plus they don't have mm-hmm. many. I actually have a... Um, friend of mine invited me to go, the media guy, and I have a picture of the the electronic scoreboard, Red Sox wish Chris Angeles a happy 55th, 45th birthday. Oh, that's awesome. So that was uh, negative 12 years ago. But uh, I'm, I'm a Met fan, so it was cool to get the Red Sox thing, but it's really a nice experience. And Wrigley, you have to do, if you're, yes. if you're a Cubs fan. You have to do it. And the other thing I'll recommend is doing a baseball tour. It's a fun little trip to do. Yeah, you do get a enough baseball time tour. off. You need, Eat you a need burger a in each weeks. stadium. Exactly. We did hot dogs. Do you serve hot dogs? You don't have hot dogs. No. My parents have hot dogs. Why, yeah, but why don't you serve <laughs> hot dogs at Burgerville? Those would be, that would be nice. Because we're Burgerville. Yeah, but still, hot dogs go with burgers. I don't know that they do. I think they'd be a nice alternative. <laughs> a quick little hot dog. My, can you, would you name it after me if you, uh, start, if you did do a dog? The Chris? The Chris. Well, All I don't know. There's, letters. Better, <laughs> I, I think there's better way to do it. Better ways to do it. Uh, tell me about your parents. Uh, my parents actually have a hot dog stand. Oh, talking about hot dogs. Yes, we were talking about Wait, hot we dogs need to and sub- ballparks. Okay. Uh, my dad is uh, a Yankee fan. Oh, poor There's guy. lots of... I know, I tell him that often. Fairweather fan? No, he's not. He's an older guy. The, I he's, have a problem with the younger Yankee fans who can't even tell you who Ron Guidry is or, or Craig Nettles, and then they give me a hard time for being a Met fan. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't have the right yeah, to do that. I dare you to stump my father on any baseball trivia. Well, that's good. That's that's respectable. And he's got a, a wealth of trivia to draw from mm-hmm. as a Yankee fan. Yes. So that's pretty cool. So they have a lot of uh, baseball memorabilia in there. They um, actually have a Boston Red Sox surcharge on the menu. It's $1.25. And where's that? What's the name it's of this place? It's called the Fried Onion. Where's that? It's on 3rd and Alder on the east side. Oh, cool. Over by Produce Row. All right. I know exactly where that is. The Fried Onion. We'll yeah, have to get over so there and have, we'll say hello. They have um We had to pastrami. give him a shout out, shout out. Yeah. They have pastrami. Nice. Real pastrami. Mm-hmm. It was made in the East Coast. And, we're, and, and all beef hot dogs. And with good rye bread? Um, they use local, so they have all of their meats shipped over from New York. Mm-hmm. And everything else is local. So it's kind of East meets West. It's hard to get a good with rye hot dogs. bread. It is hard to get good Around rye bread. Here. They have a fairly decent one. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty dang good. 
So they do pastrami sandwiches. They do uh, hot dogs. You can get a pastrami hot dog. That's my... Oh, wait a minute. Is he in that little open the, thing? Yeah. I've been there. You've David, been there? David Bentley took me there. I met them. Oh, that's your parents. They're really nice people. They are. They are. They're really nice. I was nice. there with my dog. Ask him if they remember the guy with the, uh, the, the puppy and the older dog with David I'm, Bentley. They'll know. I'm pretty sure they will. Oh, I've been there. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I really appreciate your being here. This was nice, and I'm sorry for the slight mix-up, but thanks for getting here a little earlier than you planned on, later than we thought you were coming. It all worked out well. It did all work out well. And it was a pleasure having you here, and mm-hmm. there's a big box of food. Looks, This has been a treat so far, and I know there's some melting Ruby Jewel ice, ice cream sandwiches. going on in there. So we're actually, technically, we can take it and eat it somewhere else, mm-hmm. but the reason that this no food and drink rule is here is because of that board yeah and i've managed to get it with still with that rule i've managed to nail that board with liquids once so um (laughs) we don't want to screw it up but anyway this was this was a delight and uh, appreciate your coming on i think you might represent the largest company that we've ever you know someone we've interviewed has never worked for a Oh, well, I have to think about that. I don't know offhand, but we've been doing this for five years, so we've had quite a few guests. But a pleasure to finally have Burgerville represented here and have you here. It's nice to meet you. It was really nice to meet you. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank Thanks. you for hosting. Now, now share this podcast with and put signs up at Burgerville that everybody needs to listen to it, and we'll all be good. We'll all be good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right